Welcome to Life. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Katherine Kinsey. Welcome, Katherine. Thank you. So it's been uh, maybe the busiest week in a very yeah. long time around here in the last two weeks. And um, we'll talk about all the other activity in America and other states in just a moment. But I thought we'd just touch on our dismemberment bill. Mm -hmm. which uh, has finally been passed by our Michigan House and Michigan Senate. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it's happening. Um, so uh, the governor, Whit Governor Whitmer, has promised to veto this legislation. Now, just to clarify, so these bills were identical, and they were passed by the Michigan House and the Michigan Senate. So, uh, you know, it's the same bill. However... Mm -hmm. Technically, one chamber needs to pass the bill from the other chamber in order to go to the governor. Right. So there is one more procedural vote necessary before Whitmer will, uh, as she has promised many times, uh, veto it. And so we announced last week on Tuesday that, okay, governor, you're going to veto it. If you won't sign it, we'll find 400,000 people who will sign it. And we announced uh, and filed paperwork to start a petition drive to bypass her veto. Yes. So, Catherine, we can count on you for about 200,000 <laughs> signatures, right? Yeah, yes. So, I thought it'd be helpful just to go into that a little bit because Michigan has a very unique law, a very unique abortion law, which we'll get to in a minute. Mm -hmm. But in Michigan law, citizens can collect signatures to initiate legislation into the legislature. So, this is not just to put a law on the ballot, but you can actually, as citizens, introduce legislation into the legislature. And so if we collect 340,000 signatures, our goal is 400,000 because you need a mm -hmm. little cushion because some of them are invalid. You collect 340,000 signatures, which is based on the vote in the last governor's race, and then our bills are then sent to the legislature. And they have 40 days to sign it into law Mm -hmm. um, or they can reject it, or they can have their own alternate version. If they reject it or have an alternate version, then it goes to the ballot for a vote. They can't amend it. They can't change it in any way. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is to get the signatures, 400,000. We have 180 days to do it in. Hopefully we can do it in less. One of our petition drives for one of our earlier laws that we've done, I think we did it in 83 days. So wow. I'm not promising 83 <laughs> to ban dismemberment abortions in Michigan, but we're going to try to do it real quick. And so the, the bill will go to the legislature. Since we've already sent the bill through the legislature, we know we have the votes, and it'll mm -hmm. be the, the same language as far as banning uh, dismemberment abortions that we already sent through. And so the House will send it, or the House will pass it, the Senate will pass it, and then it becomes law. And then in Michigan, when that happens, the governor has no say. Yeah. The governor can't veto it, can't do anything. Governor Irrelevant. <laughs> Perfect. Whitmer the Irrelevant. Yes. Um, and not for all the other ballot drives that have already been planned. And But that's a whole yeah, other story. Yeah. This is not a policy or political podcast. Right. Um, and so a couple of uh, caveats. So 
we can't just go out and collect petitions like right now because we've been inundated with calls from people saying, I want to sign this petition. Where can I sign it? Yeah. Well, it's not an online petition. It's an actual paper petition. It's essentially a legal document. The circulator collects the signatures and then has to sign their name on the, on the bottom and turn it into us. Mm-hmm. So it's a paper petition and it's not uh, something that can be put online at all. So I just want people to be very aware of that. It's a paper petition that has to be prepared. So it has to be submitted for approval to the Board of State Canvassers, mm-hmm. which will take, uh, normally takes a handful of weeks, a couple of weeks. And then you have to print a couple, 100,000 right. petitions yes. to collect all these signatures which, and deliver them and mm-hmm. distribute them, which takes another couple of weeks. So... In an ideal world, uh, we announced the paperwork to start this petition drive last week, and so hopefully by the end of June, we will be ready to go. Now, uh, one final issue is they changed the law in terms of how you collect those signatures back before uh, the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And um, the challenge there is not so much with us because the old rule or the new or the new rule, we're we're good. We're gonna get our right. signatures because we work hard. But uh, the our attorney general, our lovely attorney general yeah. Dana Nessel, uh, believes that this new law may be unconstitutional. Um, you know, we uh, we don't support the petition law one way or the other. I'm not sure how she thinks it's constitutional because they have similar laws in other states. But yeah. it's Dana Nessel, so <laughs> we're all kind of waiting on her to issue an opinion because uh, it would be very confusing to start a petition drive and you don't know if you have to do it under the old rule right. or the new rule. Yeah. And so uh, we're not going to wait forever, but hopefully that will be resolved soon. So we have the petition drive. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. We have to take care of those logistical and legal steps first before we can start because we don't want to be in a position where we just uh, submit it, boom, it's done, get out there, collect all these signatures, Catherine, and then, and, oops, yeah. it's all invalid because you messed up. <laughs> that, that would not be good. No, that would not be good. And all those 200,000 signatures that you yeah. personally collected would have been yeah. completely worthless. Yeah. No. <laughs> don't want that. We do the petition drives right. So we've done four petition drives in the past. We've done it to ban uh, taxpayer-funded abortions in 1988, Mm -hmm. which has saved 220-plus thousand lives. I know we've talked about this in the podcast before. We did it to end... uh, We we did it require parental consent for abortion for minor teens, Mm -hmm. which the... uh, Since 1990, when we did it, the teen abortion rate is a down... 80 percent yeah something like it's that. a extremely high yeah. number um which there's other reasons for that but our laws played a big part mm-hmm. we've done it in um in 2004 to ban partial birth abortions mm-hmm. and we were successful with the petition drive not successful in the court right but we came back and we got our partial birth abortion ban so mm-hmm. you can't stop us forever one way or the right. other we're going to get our law um but the petition drive itself was successful. And then in 2013, we did it to stop our health insurance through Obamacare from paying for abortions, which would basically have undone our 1988 ban on Medicaid-funded abortions. Right. that would have cost, you know, thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of lives. So we've done it before. We're very successful. We're the most successful group in the state at this. Everyone knows we're the expert 
at mm -hmm. this. And so, uh, you know, we're waiting for the governor to get that bill to veto. We're waiting for the petition, petition to be prepared and approved by our state board of canvassers. Um, you know, we're holding ourselves back, but we're ready right, to go. Right. And as soon as we can, we're going to hit the ground running. Definitely. So the name of this effort will be Michigan Values Life. Uh, because when you do this, you have to file paperwork, you have to form an organization and whatnot mm -hmm. for, uh, whoops, to keep, um, make sure that the uh, IRS doesn't come after us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Michigan campaign finance uh, laws don't come after us. Do you know one time that we are so good at this that uh, uh, even uh, government officials have called us asking us to explain how wow. portions of the wall work, the wow. law work? Yeah, we're that good. <laughs> we're that experienced. So That's we're a resource for everyone, Catherine. Yes. Yes. Um, so not to lose track of what we're doing here. I know it's a lot of process stuff, but this is the ban dismemberment abortions. I know we've talked about this, but it's the we need to talk about it until we're blue in the face because it's the most common uh, late-term abortion procedure in the state and in the mm -hmm. nation. Uh, 1,777 just in 2017. Uh, it's a brutal method, tearing the arms and legs off of babies. We know the other side is going to do everything they can to distract from it, mm -hmm. but that's the reality. Yes. So we're ready to go. We are. And I know you're all ready to go out there. Just take a deep breath. We're doing it the right way. We don't yes. want to screw up something badly. No. And on that note, screwing things oh. up badly, Catherine... <laughs> So we're not alone out there. We're not going to be alone out there with clipboards this summer. No, we're not. Well, there's going to be other people out there um, with another bill. The heartbeat bill. Yes. So a couple states have passed bans on abortion after the point that a child's heartbeat can be detected. And um, in those states, uh, those might be great bills. But as I talked about a minute ago, a few minutes ago, in Michigan, we are unique. And yes. um, a lot of people don't understand this, Catherine, as no. you've been trying to educate <laughs> me about lately. Yeah. So, of course, Michigan, we have our law that already bans abortions, all abortions. Um, Except to save the life of the mother. Right. Um, but beginning, you know, even before the heartbeat. Um, but that's in place for when Roe versus Wade is overturned. And the heartbeat bills, what I've, what I've been saying, you know, is I don't think people understand that these bills, um, actually, they also need a reversal of Roe to be in effect. So a lot of people out there, as Catherine has educated me, <laughs> um, think that when they hear about these stories in uh, Alabama, which we're mm -hmm. going to talk about in a minute, or right. Georgia or Ohio, they think these states are passing these abortion bans and you can't have abortions in these states. Right. But a lot of people don't understand that um, those bills and laws are immediately challenged in court by abortion supporters. Mm -hmm who invariably find a pro-abortion federal judge to strike them down right. using Roe versus Wade. Because Roe versus Wade says, as, as Roe versus Wade has come to be interpreted, you can't ban abortions before uh, fetal viability. Right. Which is, uh, it's a sliding scale because our medical yeah. technology continues to improve. Um, Hey, I suppose if they invent artificial wombs, that means abortion's entirely illegal, right? Because, oh, there you uh, yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, they'll come up with some other uh, yeah. excuse. But you can't really ban abortions before f 
uh, that viability. And so these laws are all going to be challenged in court and none of them are going to go into effect. Now, mm -hmm. that's true of all of the laws that we've done. Now, that doesn't mean these laws can't ever go into effect. They have to work their way through the court system. And like you said, eventually, for any of these to go into effect, they need Roe versus Wade to be overturned. Right. And a lot of the reason you see states passing these laws is they want to be the one that overturns Roe versus Wade. Yes. Um, yes. Which, you know, of course we would too, but... Uh, we have a governor who's not exactly uh, right. going to help us make that happen. So it's really important to remember that, that uh, you know we have our law in Michigan. It's been in effect continuously from 1846 until today. We have state court decisions that say our law is still in effect. We even prosecuted a late-term abortionist uh, mm -hmm. a few years ago because uh, they're supposed to be under Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton a health exception for abortions after viability. Well, he lied mm -hmm. about the health exception, and then the woman having the abortion was willing to testify that there was no health reason. Mm -hmm. And so that abortionist uh, got convicted under our law. Right. So it's in effect. It's not fully enforceable. We, you know, we've, we've told people, well, we mm -hmm. have this law, and they say, well, then how come abortions are happening? Well, because yeah. Roe versus right. Wade is preventing it from being uh, going into effect. Right. So uh, in Michigan, the day Roe versus Wade is overturned, uh, as long as Dana Nessel isn't our attorney general, that's a whole other story, <laughs> abortions are banned, except save the life of the mother, in Michigan. Right. We're back to where we want to be. Our 100% ban, boom. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly. So we mentioned this because, you know, the, the heartbeat ban folks, um, they've been doing these in other states. Uh, you know, they have a couple people moving here from Indiana, someone who moved here from Ohio who mm -hmm. led their Ohio efforts. They have um, the person who's been leading them all over, Janet uh, Porter, leading them. Um, and they just think this is great to do in every state because from their perspective, as, as they say, it's the arrow to the heart of Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the case, but so that's their goal is just get it in every state and that'll force the Supreme Court to take it up. Right. Um, well, I mean, you can't really force the Supreme Court to take it up. But in Michigan, mm -hmm. we already have our law, which right. is unlike a lot of other states. There's some states that have trigger laws that will go back into effect once Roe is overturned, but we have our law it's already on the books. Mm -hmm. It's being enforced. We have state court decisions that say it's in effect. This is the will of the Michigan people. Yes. So you can't double ban something, Catherine. Right. You know, if, if a salesman walked up to you and you just bought a new car and the salesman wanted to sell you a new car, what would you tell the salesman? I have a new car. I already <laughs> have a car, but thank you. Yes. Why don't you go to my neighbor who yeah. could use a little help? You know, like New York, yes. where abortions are going to be totally legal once Roe versus Wade is overturned because of their law. Mm -hmm. So um, so you might be hearing about it in the news. Um, you know, we're just telling people that, it, you know, it's not going to really do anything. The best case scenario, it's never really going to go into legal effect because if, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, then it's going to be overshadowed by our law because our law covers abortions before you can detect a heartbeat as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's legally irrelevant. Um, you know, worst case scenario, it could mess with our law. Yeah. So in the hands of a pro-abortion judge, and of course we work really hard to make sure we don't have, you know, like a right. Michigan Supreme Court that is uh, has a pro-abortion majority, but we can't, we don't control the entire electoral system in right. Michigan. So a judge could look at this heartbeat ban and say, well, 
It's substantially similar to Michigan's old abortion ban. It, so it's basically like a similar law. It's, it was passed more recently. Mm -hmm. So this is now the will of the people and not the old one. So it could, worst case scenario, keep abortions legal after Roe versus Wade overturned in Michigan in the early weeks of pregnancy. Right. And we don't want that because no. we already have it covered. We have a great law. We have it covered. Let's keep and it. And so, um, you know, we've tried to explain this uh, to the, the out-of-state people and the Michigan people they have on board with them. They don't really want to listen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you think you have this, and we run into this in the pro-life movement all the time, if you think you have the silver bullet mm -hmm. to ending abortion, then it's really hard to talk you out of it because this is a life and death issue. Yeah. 59 million abortions. If you think you have the solution, then... Then you want to get that done. You want to get that done, even if it's maybe even going to hurt yeah. in the long run. Um, we were at a meeting just the other day, and someone said, well, if we just show... Uh, abortion pictures, then it'll end abortion. Right. And another person said, well, if we just show fetal development, that'll end abortion. <laughs> well, we've done both. Here we are for how And here we years? are 46 years later. Yeah. You know, what ends abortion is, you know, the Slow blocking and, and tackling, the simple stuff, trench yeah. warfare, you know, taking your conversation, convincing people every day, passing mm -hmm. laws, doing everything you can. It's a struggle. Even after Roe versus Wade is overturned, you know, in Michigan, we have the opportunity to ban all abortions. It's not going to be true in other states like mm -hmm. New York. You know, there's plenty of work ahead. And yes. so it's worth it because right. lives are at risk. But there is no silver bullet, folks. No. Really. If there was, we would have done it because, like right. we talked about in our last podcast two weeks ago, Catherine, do you enjoy talking about abortion? No. I don't. No. I could, I find, and there might be a nice job for me somewhere down in South Carolina <laughs> right now, uh, right on the ocean, but, but no, I'm here fighting the good fight. Right. So, and you are too. Yes. And all of you listening, hopefully. Well, um, so that's going to be in the news a lot this summer, and we'll keep everyone informed on the progress of our petition drive. Um, it's really important for people to understand that um, there are these two petition drives out there because, you know, a lot of people know you can only sign a petition once. And if you mm -hmm. sign it twice, it invalidates. It invalidates it. And we don't want people to say, oh, I signed that abortion petition drive. Right. No, wait, you signed that one. Sign this one. Yeah. The one that's actually going to have a chance to go into legal effect. You know? mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, we're not alone in Michigan. As we mentioned, all these other states are passing uh, their own laws based on their own legal situations. And one that caught a lot of attention, uh, Georgia did, but the Alabama one has really right. yes. shifted the entire national conversation on abortion in the last few days, mm -hmm. um, making it for a really busy week here. Yes. You know, we launched our, we revamped our website, launched that. We had our legislative day. We passed our bill. Yep. We launched our petition drive. We have this other petition drive going now. And we have all this national conversation. Yes. A lot going on. <laughs> so the Alabama law is, uh, is much more expansive than other states which are doing the heartbeat laws or bans at 20 weeks. Uh, the Alabama law is not as good as the law that's on the books in Michigan. Um, it has some troubling exceptions in terms of fetal, uh, like a fetal abnormality mm -hmm. um, and a few other things. I shouldn't say troubling. It's just not as protective as our mm -hmm. law or what the kind of law we'd want to see. Um, and I couldn't tell you what the abortion law already is in, a, in Alabama, if they have a pre-roll law or, or how that all works. But that's 
That's what they did, and it's be it's become part of the national conversation, especially because their ban does not include an exception in cases of rape and incest. Yeah. So I thought it's really important on the podcast that you know this is a topic that uh, people don't want to talk about, and maybe people don't want to hear about, but it's dominating right. the national conversation, and. Um, from our perspective as a pro-life organization, uh, we believe that every human being has a unalienable right to life. Mm -hmm. And so the only exception in our laws that we pass is the life of the mother. The reason we have that is because we believe the mother and the child have an equal right to life. The law cannot be biased towards mm -hmm. one party or the other because the parent is the parent, the child's the child, and the parent's acting in, in the best interest of the child. So that's why we have that exception. Um, but uh, Michigan laws don't have an exception for rape or incest. And right. let's be honest, this is very difficult even for pro-life people. It is. It's, it's always a, a hard topic for everyone, I think. So uh, I'll just give you my personal background as a great example. So I got involved in the pro-life movement in college. Uh, a friend of mine kind of badgered me into it until I had the opportunity and I joined, uh, it was uh, at the time Western Michigan University Students for Life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was involved for through the year and learning more about the issue. I kind of knew about what abortion was and opposed it. I was learning a lot more. And at the end of the year, we went to a, uh, a speaking event at MSU. And the speaker at the event was a person who was conceived in rape. And I'll be honest, at the time I thought that abortion should be, well, I should say I was uncomfortable, even as a pro-life person who was mm -hmm. in the Students for Life group, you know, just starting off the pro-life movement, saying that we should, um, uncomfortable with the idea of banning abortions in the cape of rape or incest. Mm -hmm. Because um, as people, it, it, it's an obvious, it, it's obvious to people that, uh, you know, a woman who's been uh, raped, sexually assaulted, uh, is in a very difficult place. It's not fair. She didn't ask to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. She didn't ask to be raped. It's not her fault. Um, so there's a certain injustice there. But uh, as so often um, in the abortion debate, we're missing the unborn child. And so I went right. to this event and I heard a speaker conceived in rape. And at the time, it was it was news to me, and I'll, we'll get into this in a second, mm -hmm. about this myth. Um, I thought, a person conceived in rape? I Yeah. Someone like that exists? Mm -hmm. Quite a few people do. And uh, it's one thing to academically believe that abortion should be legal in this or that situation. It's entirely another when you're staring that situation in the face, right. looking them yeah. and talking to them. Yeah. Not it so easy. It makes it just much more personal. It is, and I think that is such a big part of the equation. I think, um, and we've been doing a series on our website, Abortion Myths Every Month, and the one we're working on this month, is this assumption that everyone has. Mm -hmm. Everyone has just kind of naturally come to this assumption. I don't think this is a, a myth being put out by anyone purposefully, but mm -hmm. everyone just assumes that every woman who's been raped will have an abortion. Yeah. But that's not true, is it? No, it's not. What is it like? So there's, because it's such a taboo topic, there's not been a lot of studies. There's one study on the topic. Right. So this number isn't sacrosanct mm -hmm. um, because there's only been one study. It's a smaller study. 
but it, this number isn't perfect, but it's significant. And in the study, they found that uh, half of women who were raped did not have abortions. Right. And of those who didn't have abortions, um, you know, a certain number had a miscarriage, a certain number had adoption, but the vast majority of those women kept their child, mm -hmm. which kind of blows people's minds. We all just assume and accept as truth that every woman in that situation um, was going to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And people, I know people don't mean it this way, but, you know, I, I got to thinking about it is um, people think that, and it's not focused at women, I know people don't mean it this way, but when they're really saying, what they're really saying is a woman can't deal with this right. situation emotionally. Yeah, which is really... What do you think? It's a, I think that's definitely it's just an assumption. I mean, you you can't assume that that once you know tragedy happens, they they're just oh they can't deal with it automatically. You know. Mm -hmm. So um, you know what we've done years a couple of years ago is we put together uh, it's a it's a documentary called Life Uninvited. Mm -hmm. It was uh, earlier called The Compassion Project, and we just um, we're collecting stories of people who've been conceived in rape. Uh, one of the persons um, was conceived in rape and herself was sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. And she, she believed in a rape exception until she learned that she was conceived in rape. And then she had to face a personal crisis. How can I say that I don't have a right to right. exist? Um, you know, it's understandable why people have a trouble with that. It's understandable why people accept that myth as, as a fact. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really, I think, because we just haven't talked about the issue in this way. It's usually brought right. up in terms of uh, a political bare-knuckle brawl, and it's right. never discussed, uh, you know, using people individually. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been in the pro-life movement. I think I've met women who have faced every angle mm -hmm. of that situation, whether they've, they've been raped and had an abortion or whether they've been raped and, and didn't, whether they themselves were conceived in rape or whether they've fallen under several of those situations. Right, right. Um, and so uh, I would encourage everyone to really go out and really keep an open mind and think about the issue. Mm -hmm. um, the, the worst thing you can do is just use an assumption and, and go with it. Right. And one of those assumptions is that uh, a woman can just have an abortion, whether she's pregnant through rape or whether just in any other circumstance, and it doesn't impact her in any way. Right, because, I mean... Uh, abortion is often seen as a solution for rape, but I think in most cases, I mean, women just suffer so much after abortions. It's just basically trying to remedy an evil with another tragedy, and it can really leave them, you know, even even more hurting. Yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, abortion supporters and uh, pro-abortion organizations even say that women don't regret their abortions. That's that's all one kind of myth. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think one thing that people don't maybe don't realize is that there's a lot of people in the pro-life movement who have had abortions. Right. Uh, whether that is uh, you, you know some of our legislators, uh, leaders, members, and whatnot. Um, you know. The whole meme of the other side is pro-lifers hate women, uh, but you know the pro-life movement, as we talked about, is it's led yes. by women. Yes. Uh, there's plenty of women in it, and um, you know we don't do this to control women. We don't do this because we hate women. We don't do this because we have a callous attitude mm -hmm. towards 
victims of rape and incest or whatnot. Uh, our focus is, is the unborn child is a human being. Can we tear the arms and legs off of this human being? No. And the answer should be no. All right, well, if you want to know more about the whole issue of, of rape and abortion, we have resources that I really think you should look at, really think you should keep an, an open mind, and, and look at those, and you can find those on our website, rtl.org. That's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in two weeks, and enjoy a wonderful Memorial Day weekend.